Yay! There we go. Excellent. You are live. Fabulous. Good evening, everybody. Uh, welcome to another bite sized webinar. Uh, my name's Kate. We have uh, Carl, and we are also thrilled to be joined by Hugo Whitehead. <laughs> this evening, we're just going to have a general chit chat and uh, have a little chat with Hugo. He owns a practice. I'm not going to steal his thunder so that he can explain bits and pieces to you. But uh, a day in the life of uh, of Hugo and his practice. So, Hugo, can we ask generally um, how things are with you since lockdown? I mean, Carl and I know a bit of the story, but if you'd care to share when uh, when you return to work. Of or at course. least practice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I, I've never really stopped because yeah, exactly. you're kind of managing the phone and there's only so much you can do. Telephone triage, you know, yeah, let's hold the phone a bit closer to that tooth. I can <laughs> send the waves to make it better. But it, it, if you asked me 30 years ago when we qualified, um, would, you, would you ever be doing dentistry by telephone? I'd have thought you were completely mad. But... Mm. At the end of the day, I think we, we managed to get back to some kind of normality. And a lot of people just wanted, um, during the lockdown, we just kind of, they needed reassurance and they needed somebody to talk to. And I take it as pride. We only needed to send six patients to uh, the UDCs, which functioned with mixed success but the patients because they only offered extractions it kind of focused people's minds but mm. i'm just so pleased to be back in the saddle as it were seeing patients and they were really pleased to see us so i think the first piece of advice would be engage your uh, your practice and i'm very fortunate to have a great team around me and i just think from day one, we managed to set out a reopening protocol and, and got going with kind of before we were told, well, the way it happened was just very odd anyway, when I'm used to being told things by my wife, but when she said, you're returning to work on the 8th of June, I thought, what, excuse me? Um, no, I'm not. Um, and you know, it says so on the news. And I thought, this is a bit odd. So that was all a bit strange, but we, we managed to get there pretty quickly. And I mean, I think you must find working in a number of practices and seeing lots of other places. We're all fairly similar mm. in terms of having the patient journey at the center and making sure you send the kind of information to the patients and include them updating your website making sure that you have a facebook page that is fairly contemporaneous and yeah i i just think we've we've had some fantastic feedback from the patients uh i mean i'll give you a couple of things that that they've they've said some emails so one of them said um this is a bit of feedback for you all I felt really comfortable with my visit to the surgery today. Uh, Jen greeted me at the door and you can tell she smiled even with a mask on. <laughs> it was good to have read the email first and to know what to expect. It's actually really nice to be taken through 
and to be directed takes a lot of uncertainty out of the equation. You are all very welcoming and it's lovely to have close contact with people, even with PPE on. Also, wow, how efficient. Top marks rising to the challenge. Thank you to you all. And then the little clap emoji. Oh. I mean, I'm, I'm old. I, I don't understand emojis, but there you go. And then the other one was um, a really interesting one from a patient who said, thank you for my pleasant experience at your surgery um, on Friday the 19th as someone who taught asepsis techniques and air hygiene to undergrads for many years, I felt very safe. Also, apart from my own home, it was the only place I've seen an air cleaner, uh, especially as they open pubs and restaurants where people enjoy socializing, chatting, singing, one never hears of air cleaning. And, and I think it's great, you know, we've had a bit of feedback from that. And as I say, it's it's just useful to be able to engage and do the things that we've been taught for so many years to do well. 100%. That's lovely feedback, Hugo. It really is. I think it's important uh, for you guys and your team because you know your job inside out, but to come back to something and have to almost reteach yourself old habits, as in, you know, you've got to do something different. I think it must be difficult. So I think it's great having feedback like that, Hugo, but then that's credit to you and your team. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't take credit for I think it's the whole the whole process of um, having really good patients that understand what you're doing you're keeping them informed, you're telling them at each stage what what you're about to do. You know, we had another one that said, oh, I'd like to thank the person that put together the um, protocol for patients. And that then we emailed it to them and they said how reassuring and safe it made them feel. And I think, don't forget, a lot of patients haven't been out their house for months, um, particularly the elderly or, or shielding. And mm -hmm. I think when when you've got somewhere you, you it's it's the psychological effect that's very much underplayed not just for uh the staff but the patients as well and of course you've got to think of it from everyone's angle and i'm just so pleased to be able to be seeing people face to face yeah. and we did the fit testing course and then of course had problems getting back to the supply chain um trying to get the masks supplied that we were fit tested on so no one can get the fit testing hoods. And so therefore, when you have an interruption, that means you're going to have to be refit tested on the masks that uh, you have now got, which is no guarantee. So everyone's got a different face shape and the masks may or may not fit them. And I think there's a lot of negativity about what people can and can't wear. And it's basically what you and your staff feel comfortable doing. I mean, we've we've put up the Perspex screen for reception. And, um, <laughs> you know, it's kind of, it's one of those things where I, I'll see if I can screen share in a minute. Do you know how, can you do this? Kate? You can. Uh, on your yeah, um, little picture yeah. near, near the top, there might be a little um, screen share button for you. Uh, so Ooh, if you hover your mouse yeah. over it, um, just okay. make sure you've, you've turned any naughty pictures off that you have on your laptop. Have this this is being edited, yeah? <laughs> so <laughs> it doesn't matter. I shall put this on here, share. Hang on a second. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> have you got it? 
Yeah. Uh, well, not yet. No, not yet. not yet. I'll try again. There we go. Yeah, that's probably okay. going to pop up now. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, there we it's are. It's disappearing into infinity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So what well, you're doing at the moment is you're screen sharing, um, screen sharing us. So if you click on whatever it is you want to screen share, so you'll see um, there's options to screen share either. Yeah, yeah, like that. That's it. Is that better? Yeah, yes. that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, you can see. Okay, cool. So I'm. So basically, I'll carry on speaking now. So this is the um, this is the perspex screen, and we've had to put up a notice here. Um, please do not. Uh, let's have a look. Here we go. So I've put up a little notice here. Please do not place your head through the screen. <laughs> um, you you basically need to stay behind the protective screen at all times because um, even though it's reassuring for the staff, if anyone, obviously people know this with this virus, that you are spreading it through uh, the, the droplets and, and potential respiratory ballistics and the, all the particles. So we all become expert virologists. Well, um, dentistry, you can spread it by looking at people as well. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think we probably can um in this country yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so Wales. exactly this is the other thing it's very different in, in the other principalities and so so this is what we've done is we put up um screens of perspex um we've fixed them here and a very good use of dental tape at the top <laughs> um and it's one of those things like hanging up your christmas decorations that's what you need the dental tape for <laughs> and I think patients use it more for that than they do <laughs> using it between their teeth. But that's a separate issue. So we've kind of done a few things. And, and again, this just gives you a rough idea of the, the thermometer, which is a bit of a debatable thing. But, you know, there we go. It's reassurance. Um, it's the current protocols. We get patients to stand on a cross and um, stand on it on foot operated hand sanitizer so again it's the sort of thing that um it's fine we just get back to some kind of normality but it's you're following the protocols and you're helping them see you and at the moment it's mostly emergencies only and although we've done all the fit testing and we're ready for agps um we're just waiting for uh, we we've got them scheduled for a couple of weeks, but it's not at the moment. We're following the current CDO's advice in terms of just waiting for the unlocking of that. Um, doing a little bit more AGPs because we're not using any aerosols at all um, at the moment until it's going to be safe to do so when the level drops or whether or not they're going to be another report on Friday this week as mm. to the length of time of the fallow period. And it's all very interesting. And until, you know, there's really promising use of the convalescent plasma on dexamethasone treatments and on uh, viruses and on testing. So until all those come together and people feel reassured, I think it's our job to gradually see emergencies um, and then it's taking a lot longer on reception so of course 
uh, we're just trying to schedule. Everyone else is saying, let's get working shift patterns, see all these patients. But in reality, because it takes 20 to 30 minutes to speak to each patient and explain to them and reassure them and explain what's going to happen, then I think you can overbook the appointments. So it's really useful just to talk them through it. And we've currently uh, just basically dialing out. Um, and from next week, we'll be taking incoming calls as well, because it you know, if you're speaking nonstop, as I'm finding, your voice goes after a bit. Mm. So this is what happens. And I think you've got to think of your staff and the main pinch point in terms of the stress in the practice is on reception at the moment because you've got hundreds of patients who want to see you. You want to see your patients, but you can't see all of them at once. So you've got to learn, triage them, get the questions right, make sure that everyone's happy with um, doing their dental treatment to the limited capacity that you can. But then equally, you know, we had one poor lady who's had three flare-ups. I was just started the endo before lockdown. So she's had antibiotics and then she's had all sorts of swellings. She's um, a nurse and it's, it's, it's your heart goes out to uh, these patients that need treatment, but you can't gain it and the irony that if you were a pet you could have been seen by a vet and right. yet not by a dentist is so yeah. draconian but i can see why um because you only have to look at how the psychological impact that resonated the most with me was the the a e nurse who had worked in sierra leone with Ebola cases and they'd come back they're currently working in in Nottingham and they were saying that the A&E nurses were having to lend their own phones to these dying patients to say goodbye to their relatives and the psychological impact on those staff having to do that sort of thing is you know let's not dismiss the severity of the SARS COVID-19 pandemic but equally I think we have a responsibility and a moral obligation to our patients so financially it would be far better just to say that's it we're shut let's put everyone on furlough um, let's just see them when it all passes over and we can start earning money again but it's it's about more than that we have an obligation to our patients and I would never want to do anything other than help the patients. So we helped 111 by and all the NHS by keeping people out of A&E. You know, I dropped off home repair kits to uh, shielding patients. We dropped off antibiotics because, you know, that's what you do is look after your patients. And I couldn't not do that. Absolutely. Um, but that's enough wittering for the moment. What would you like to ask me? I'm... I'm on on the whole with your patients hugo obviously yes. you know i would imagine there's more than just those couple uh, of emails with feedback even if it's verbal on the whole were your patients understanding during the complete lockdown as in when you couldn't come into clinic were they understanding as a whole yeah totally i mean i'm very fortunate to have been in the practice where i am for you know 20 years so I know my patients they know me and I think because we've engaged them and we've tried to get the messages right um, they 
realize it's not my fault that I can't see them. It's not, you know, the the OCTO's messages have been mixed and confused. And I think it's more to do with the, the lack of dissemination of information from them. Some organizations have been fantastic, like the newly formed BAPD, the BDA, um, you know, and, and uh, Simply Health professionals have been excellent in terms of putting on events and uh, helping us understand what the potential ways of unlocking it is going to, it's, it's, it's all going to be good news for the patients and for the practice. But once you, it's all about communication. And I think once you can explain to your patients that actually we can't open on the day that the government said we could, because we're having to look at your health and well-being and your safety and the staff's safety. And we have to make sure that they feel comfortable coming back to work. And you have to, you know, I'm not a shop fitter, yet we managed to put up those Perspex screens. Um, you can probably tell. And um, and in terms of, you know, disseminating information to patients, they've all been even the ones that have been problematic have understood that we are doing things for the right reasons. And we couldn't have had access to the PPE that we did have whilst it was being needed in uh, primary care. Yeah, absolutely. Talking about PPE, Hugo, I mean, when you knew that you guys were coming back into practice, how difficult or easy was it to get the the required PPE for for yourself and your team? Well, I think we had kind of jumped the gun a bit, and we had pre-booked the fit testing, so we knew that this was going to be an issue. And it's a real puzzle that only this week have they said they're going to train hundreds of people. I sent an email to NHS England and to Public Health England on the 25th of May to ask for fit testing for masks in independent practice. I still haven't received a response. And I think that's how people ignore the fact that you are outside the health service and over 50% of dentistry is done outside the health service um, in terms of availability of PPE and returning to work. So, you know, it's been a bit of a roller coaster, I think. You know, I've dealt with it, you know, differently to everyone else. And I think, you know, you find solace in, in watching Grace and Perry's Art Club or whatever it is that you find works for you. But I think it's very much um, in terms of getting the PPE, we found that once the fit test was was booked, I think now I can understand more about the way the masks fit and the physical resistance of the FFP3 masks for protracted periods is going to be incompatible with delivering safe care. There was a webinar the other night from the London LDCs and they were talking about that it was good to hear the Public Health England. They said, well, hot dentists aren't quite as efficient. Yeah. So, you know, if you've got the mesh warm. and the electrostatic, exactly. Um, 
So particularly with the weather as it was last week, you know, you couldn't wear all of the, the PPE required for AGEs um, in, for protracted periods of time. So I think I would far rather, we, we, it's very expensive and it's been very hard to come by, um, but I'm quite glad that we didn't try and source it earlier because then you would have taken it out of the main NHS supply yeah. chain. So, but after being told, yes, you've got to go back to work, then finding that you couldn't get the right PPE, it kind of was a, if they'd have delayed it a week and then it would have been a little bit more straightforward, should we say. Do you mean actually uh, giving us a week's what, notice uh, before they put it on TV? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Would have been nice. So. Or been a day, you know, anything <laughs> yeah. really. Yeah. But, but I do think it's not there, you know, at the end of the day, I think it's the way the system works and how they actually, the levels of bureaucracy. Have you, I sorry, think, Hugo, have you read yeah. the regulations, just curiously? Have you looked at the tables? Yes. Yeah. Can you tell me, have you seen anywhere, I know it says that you need a fit test for a respirator. Have you seen anything that says you have to actually pass a fit test? Um. <laughs> <laughs> it just occurred, it, it occurred to me the other day and I thought, I wonder if they've actually said that you have to pass one. Because I've, I've read everywhere well, that you have to have one. No, but I didn't, you do. I didn't, I didn't see anywhere where it said you have to pass. No, no, no. You, what happens is when one of the girls... Uh, I'm being awkward, I know. No, no, no. The, her, let's, uh, there's the guy said that the, the stealth masks that I took and passed on, yeah. um, that half-face respirator was built for, you know, brickies and the construction industry. So the fact that a nurse doesn't have the same face <laughs> to fit it is I would take it as a compliment. And the fact that she failed and then they draw in big lines fail across the certificate. <laughs> they do they do actually make it quite clear. Now you know I would I would far rather have the the fit testing done by somebody who this chap had a uh, used a really good um chap called Nathan from 1974 uh, rapport. And he delivered a very much bespoke for the dental care setting and healthcare profession, uh, a really good session on how to train the tester. So we would, within house, we can um, do fit testing because with the supply chain being so variable, because the FFP2s are a little bit easier to wear, and even the FFP3s, you know, as I say, they, they don't confer 100% protection. So, and the aerosol that's being generated is a mixture of water. And um, if the rubber dam's on, you'll have cleaned the tooth. It'll be hypochlorite in there. So the actual viral load there in the canal structure during endodontic procedure is very minimal. So from my point of view, I and my nurses who were working with me were very happy to use the more comfortable, more breathable, yet still high protection FFP2 level of mask for these procedures. Now, you know, I think it's it's finding what 
it's all about risk assessment and and finding out what you find works in your practice um you know we're using the hypochlorous acid um which i always say is like a salted swimming pool and then they kind of laugh at me have a swill and say yes i see what you mean it does taste <laughs> like you know and i think you have to i've i've swished my round my, my mouth around with it and it's pretty horrible but at least if you say it comes back to communication you're saying you know this is the current the advice is mixed as to whether how scientific a lot of this is because it's such a new virus and i think the science behind it whether or not you're looking at the different hard surfaces and the uh you know all the different transmissibility and the fact that you can wipe it down and it's it's gradually going to be relaxed as time goes on and i think with it being prevalent in the community and with us being obviously oh sorry you popped away there carl um yeah yeah i am I promise you I'm still here. Promise That's you. good. Um, but I, I think it's just making sure that we have a level of consistency of approach. And this is where I really think that we have to put the safety of ourselves, our patients. A patient asked me today, so what's all this for? And I said, well, it's really to protect the next patient. And when you look at the scientific evidence, it kind of is because you'll have wiped it down. So there's no risk of transmissibility to them. And there's no risk of transmissibility to you because you're wearing the a face mask and, you know, uh, you're you're rinsing their mouth out and you're not the level of uh, virus particles. You see, they were, they were talking about on one of the webinars, a nasal lavage. Now, if you've Try telling a patient to do that <laughs> with the hypochlorous oh, acid. It's a nightmare for me. I tend to prefer salted swimming pool than hypochlorous acid. It just sounds <laughs> a little bit yeah. less threatening. But again, it's trying to it's just trying to put a level of practicality back together. But as I say, I I think as, coming back to the PPE for a moment, it's it's really about finding what you're happy wearing. And as I say, I, I, I think we've decided to do it in the morning slots um, and you're not going to do it all day. And we have teams of people and then we're going to fit test other people. So at the end of the day, um, it's about making sure that everyone is comfortable and happy doing with what they want to do and making sure that you can access the more urgent treatments. Now, how long it will take before the UDCs will be able to do I refer to a UDC for a root filling? Well, not really. I think that's beyond their scope of practice. They're opening up at the moment, but I'm I'm not sure. I would rather do it predictably with a set mm. of protocols that I've been using for years that we've developed, and then you have a follow-up. Um, I don't know what you think. I'm with you. I think that what is it that the UDC is going to offer your patient that you can't? And in fact, I think if I was a patient, I would probably prefer to come and see you than go to uh, someone different. Uh, the patients have got, and in general, have got a big rapport with the people. There's trust, isn't it? They trust you. Yeah. And I think by the sounds of it, I mean, 
obviously I'm slightly biased because I know you and and how you work, but and the practice and the team and the way your practice work, you know, you've got a high trust environment there. Um, so I think probably almost all of your patients and most patients are going to be more comfortable seeing yourself rather than going to a UDC. And as you've said, what what actually are you going to do any different at a UDC that you can't offer within the practice now? Into, I mean, obviously, you've got the business side of things, I suppose. Um, but aside from that, as we as we discussed, you know, when you when you take that out of the equation, it's about looking after your patients and do, yeah, doing what I'm, you can I'm, do within the regulations. I'm really grateful for the service that the UDC had offered yeah. my patients. Yeah. And I think they did a really good job under a difficult set of circumstances. And I think, you know, the fact and how they did it might be odd, but nevertheless, to go from ground zero to getting up and running with a system in place nationally where patients could see uh, a dentist and have treatment done when all around them were being turned away, yeah. I think is a phenomenal success story. Mm. Um, you know, it's just the other end of it, how you unlock it, that was always going to be the problem. Yeah. But um, I think that the real issue now going forwards is just reassuring uh, everybody that we are offering a good service that is safe and it's making sure that the patients can see that we've really thought about it mm. and we're mitigating all of the risks that they could be exposed to. So you see your shielded and vulnerable patients um, early on in the session, you make sure that they understand, you know, you stagger the appointments so that they're not overlapping, you don't have more than two people at once, and um, coming in, in and out. And, you know, then you're looking at escorts and then you're looking at nervous patients and people with Alzheimer's. And, you know, I think the most difficult day I had, there was a three-year-old that had bumped their tooth and an 86-year-old with Alzheimer's that had fallen down the stairs. And how can you give them reassurance by telephone? I mean, yes, you say, well, look, if it's a problem and it doesn't heal, take a picture, e email me this. or But it's there's nothing like seeing somebody and the yeah. fact that we couldn't and it's not urgent so you couldn't refer them to the UDC but that's why I was saying I think it was it's a real everybody was experiencing the topsy-turvy emotion you you'd burst into tears at the you know watching a guy called Alice Crafts and Models on Grayson Perry's art club or you were feeling um you know just <laughs> euphoric because you'd managed to get the uh, business bounce back loan or something and you were the first healthcare professional in the West Midlands to do so. I, it's real ups and downs and I think the fact that everybody's going through it and yeah. recognising that is very honest and it's the communication bit that I think you need to express but there is a huge amount of positivity going forwards that at least we are able to see patients and, and the number of people say oh thank you so much for mm. contacting me I said well 
you know, we've looked at the list, we've contacted patients and we are starting to see them. And from, you know, we're starting to see checkups and scale and polishes again. And, you know, it's, it's like seeing a hairdresser, you know, <laughs> one day. Now, when I ask, you know, they say, well, you're going to get your hair cut. They say, which one? <laughs> do you get discounts yeah yeah but it's just the front you know it's one of those I mean, things you, you've you've um bless you you haven't really mentioned a couple of things that you've invested in as well too much um because obviously i popped in to uh, um say hello <laughs> yes. and and see how things are going and it's it's a big difference in the practice well, I mean, two the, meter distance, yeah the chair that. chairs are pretty much gone from the waiting room you've got the screens up you've got as you mentioned your your, your foot pedal as your, your hands and your thermometers come in but you've also got the the air purifiers which you, you kind of skipped over um yeah. but I, you know that was investment you made and there there is you know i think a reassurance in having those in the practice we've talked i talked to martin on friday from 10 dental he was explaining that they've got the extraction extractor the high duty extractors which they can have above or to the side of the patients and that was what they invested in and i, I think that they were t was he reined in kate when he yeah. was talking about investing in the air purifier so he, the budget wasn't going to stretch that far um but you have and you know you've got that the nice big one in your surgery which the I mean, you've you've got either you've calculated it or someone's come in and calculated the airflow and the air exchange and i mean have you noticed a difference in the surgery as such with the air itself i mean i've heard a lot of people talk about the air quality and the difference that it actually makes they've got the the particle counters and um i can't remember the other one that they've got humidifiers and they've actually tested them on and off and it does make a difference to the quality of air within the surgery certainly on the tests and they've said actually actually for them there's a there's a difference in how they feel when they've got the window open when these things on um so i don't know if you know if you actually notice difference yourself with these things yeah absolutely yeah. I, I mean i i was given the tip off um right at the very beginning when it was in I, i've got a couple of friends who um a lot more expert in these things than I am and they were advising me uh, and said look you know because they were developed in Korea and at the outbreak of SARS then a lot of South Korean hospitals have had them fitted uh, and I think if I was a patient sat in a room where okay there could be there's a whole lot of exhaled air if you're going to wear a stealth mask or a hood and would I rather have the reassurance that there was a filter that had UV lights carbon filters HEPA filters killing off those particles and stopping it settling if you were going to be doing an AGP I think the answer would be yes and I think you know at, I hadn't sneezed as much, um, you know, whether or not you know, I normally do have a bit of a sniffle, but, um, yeah. and I, I think it does help. A lot of people that have extreme allergies have these machines, um, the other ones, the smaller units. And again, those are supposed to help these extreme allergy sufferers. And I think it's the reassurance that, 
you know, yes, I invested in them, so I'm pointing out to my patients because I explained that, yeah, you know, we've invested in PPE, we've invested in these, and it's to keep you safe. And I think it's a part of that communication that I always think these things will help reassure and particularly those don't forget a lot of the patients haven't been out of their house for three months and yeah. they're saying oh I've, I've been you know my daughter's done my shopping for me or whatever and this is the first trip I've been anywhere mm. and it's nice to say well let me just reassure you that we've got you know staggered appointment times you've hand sanitized you're wearing a mask when you're not in the surgery I haven't perfected doing a checkup through a mask yet <laughs> and um, you're kind of just working it out. And so here, we've also got the air purification. Mm -hmm. Now, I do realize that the, the filtration stuff is beyond the budget for many. And I, I also realize it's such new technology with a new virus that the evidence base for its use is mixed. But I know, what would you rather if you were a patient in that room? I know what I would rather have, and that's one of those machines. And, you know, we've gone for the Radicate through Henry Shine, but that's purely because they, I was following Radicate and they were the main UK distributors. So I was going to get a Radicate anyway, and, um, you know, I couldn't order it because it was back order. And when it was, I contacted the company and said, ah, oh, you've got to deal through our agents. So again, it's one of those things that I've been following through the science of it all for a long time. Um, so it, it's credit again. to you. It's credit to you, Hugo. As Carl said, uh, I mean, I know we're, we're slightly biased because we know your team, but um, myself and I'm sure I speak for Carl. A hundred percent confidence in everything that you and your team are doing, and. Um, we know from personal experience that the patients are at the forefront of your mind. So I take my hat off to everything that you're doing because um, it's fantastic, Hugo, just to make them feel comfortable and getting them back in the door. So uh, I salute you, Mr. Whitehead. Oh, thank I you. I do. Well, well, no, that's it's it's as I say, it, it we wouldn't be here without them. And I think you have a, a responsibility to provide them with the best care that you can. And I understand why patients um, feel reluctant to come back to the dentist and particularly those that are medically compromised. I understand mm. the flip side, staff and dentists that don't want to go back. And, you know, don't forget, some people are going to find it really difficult to get back to work. They're looking at, you know, I think you should limit news and social media because there's so much nonsense spoken out there. You know, it's, the reality of it is that I think your patients really want to see you again and you want to see the patients. And the sooner that you can deliver that in a safe, reliable environment, the better. And so it's my and my staff's job to provide that. Mm. And at the end of the day, I think it's the, the bits that aren't talked about very often, which is the psychology of it. That's what I wanted to bring across today is more how it affects you as a dentist 30 years of not you know of not then suddenly you're told you can't deliver dentistry it's um very very challenging and i can understand a lot of people that don't want to go back to work because you know a 
they've had three months off, the weather's been great, their garden looks immaculate. And B, you know, I think um, more importantly, it's your message of stay at home, stay safe is now embedded in you as it, it, it's so difficult to slowly unlock. And that's why I think you have to engage your team. And the team have been brilliant in terms of, you know, we had four virtual Zoom meetings before we started, then a site visit, and then obviously installed the, the Perspex screens because, you know, you don't want the um, little piece of cling film like they have at the counters in the shops. I don't know. You know, people are putting their heads around the side and you're thinking, it's how does that make you feel safer? <laughs> and I, I think, yes, it's the disparity of it all. The fact that you you can go into a supermarket and someone rubs your shoulder as they try and get the juiciest, um, you know, the, the ripest avocado, which is <laughs> impossible to find anyway. Um, and you get it home and it's gone off. So it's... <laughs> It's strange. It's one of life's sort of mysteries. But I think in terms of getting back to work, I really think that you've got to do it slowly and do it methodically and do it in a way that everybody feels happy doing it. And then ultimately think, I think the, the, there was some excellent webinar. The BDA have just been superlative during um, the period of you know they've really risen to the challenge of fighting for our profession um you know they've taken on everything they've supported us they've helped equalize some of the disparities through living in different parts of the uk and i think i cannot be careful hugo there's a job going you'll be taking yeah exactly well, that's what i'm doing i'm thinking what do i do when i retire <laughs> let's get the bda a good plug and, you know they've got a really good scientific advisor you know damien Wormsley. Yeah. And I think it's, you've got to think to yourself, you've got to look at the elements that are going to help you as a practice owner return to work. And you need to gradually turn the tap on for the patients. But don't try and run before you can walk. Mm. And I think the fact that the advice is changing on a daily basis is not easy. The fact that there is no set... SOP you have to develop your own because every building is different and then if it's one meter plus with a face mask then we can adapt to that after the 4th of July until that point we're still you know I've said we're going to have longer appointments for July well it doesn't make economic sense but it makes safety sense and it's will gradually unlock what down to what the staff the patients and us feel happy doing as long as you're comfortable i mean yeah. i think that's the important thing and then you know you can review things as and when as which it's been echoed through uh, a lot of the chats we've been having isn't it carl that you know people are setting all this out now and you know they've been going through it and going through it before they've gone into practice and then you know they'll review as and when they feel comfortable to review and add yeah. or not and carry on yeah, as normal. things so. crop up that you don't expect and you adapt to it um, exactly. And and again, if if people want to, you know, once you're out there, you're there to be shot at. You can say things. And I think a lot of people have maybe been misinterpreted or 
you know, at, at the end of the day, I think as a profession, we have to stand together to move forwards. And that's the important thing. And I think, you know, obviously, while doing this webinar, if, if people want uh, uh, confidential advice or whatever, or they're struggling, by all means, you know, um, they can email me at hugo at sallypartdental.co.uk and I'll happily, you know, help them if I can. Um, there's only one of me and I have got patients to see now, but I will get through to them if they're struggling. But I think it's important that we're there for each other as well. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. I agree. I really do. That's brilliant. Good. Hugo, thank you so much. It's a your, pleasure. For your time. And honestly, I've gone over time. Sorry. No, not at all. Fine, Hugo, the things you've been saying, it's what you know people out there they, they need to hear because this is real you know this is you yeah. been in practice this is you prepping in lockdown putting everything into action coming you know back into practice so this is this is what folk need to hear so thank you so much Hugo for your uh, it's time it's been an weekend. absolute pleasure and as I say we haven't been sponsored I don't have any I must put my hand up I have no commercial interests in either the BDA or Grace and Perry's <laughs> Art Club. But I can recommend it just to keep you normalised. I think you've, you've each got to have your own thing that you're into. And uh, for me, that's that's what worked. But, you know, different people will have done their own thing. But, you know, you've got to put it all into perspective. And I think that's the thing, is it is such an alien environment the last few months and this novel virus and how disappointed we were with the way information was disseminated to us mm. and the thing is it's the resilience of the profession and the ability to help each other that puts us over and above uh, many professions um, and it isn't just about bums on seats and you know the cash tills ringing mm. um, you know it's it's just going to be a bit of a struggle for a few weeks, months, they'll relax some of the guidelines. They're going to change the fallow periods. We have mitigated them for certain things. And, you know, I think an hour is what we have been told from the moment you stop drilling currently. But at the end of the week, it may change. We can hope. Yeah. But there you go. And yep. good luck to everybody out there. Oh, bless you, Hugo. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you very much, everybody. Carl, thank, you. thank you. Thank you, Hugo. Cheers. And thank you. hope everyone has a good night. And you. you Thanks, too. mate. Bye. Thanks, both. Bye. No See you, everyone. Cheers.